So what is your opinion about John Faso as our congressman? Well, when he was a candidate, he wasn't that far to the right, and he was all right. But now that he's a congressman, he just votes with the Republican Party. What are some of the votes that uh, you were most taken aback by? He voted to take away Obamacare. And why do you think he did that? I think he just wanted to get reelected. Because Congress people basically get nearly unlimited terms. Mm-hmm. They're always fighting for reelection, or nearly all of the time. And therefore, they vote with their party and they vote with the lobbyists rather than doing what's right for the American people. I think it's important for us to get the word out. I was the voice of Maitreya Motel. Interview with Maitreya with Saja coming up shortly. Welcome back to Spotlight 19, the podcast tracking Representative Fazo's voting record and local issues impacting Congressional District 19. We're back on rainy election day. This is Justin Tracy. And this is Sasha Tracy. A lot to cover this week from Representative Fazel's October votes to my interview with 11-year-old Rosendale resident and activist Matreya Motel. We hope everyone took the time today to get out there and vote for some fantastic local candidates here in New York 19 and against for the call for a New York constitutional convention. Uh, We're getting some of the first results back from this election and it looks like Democrats did really well. So hopefully uh, by the time you're listening to this podcast, similar good news will uh, come out for New York 19. Our last episode featured Democratic contender for Congress, David Clegg. Just a note, now we are down to six candidates, as Sue Sullivan and Steve Breezy, both of whom we interviewed, have dropped out of the race. We wish them all the best and hope they'll consider some local offices or assisting one of the other campaigns. Our next episode will feature Chris Gibson the Republican congressman for New York 19, who preceded John Faso. So back on October 5th, Faso voted in favor of the 2018 GOP budget, which makes drastic cuts, about $5 trillion to Medicare, and set up turning that program into a voucher-based program. It proposed a trillion dollars in cuts to Medicaid, cuts to food stamps, housing assistance programs, and agricultural subsidies. And there was actually only one thing that Republicans weren't intent on cutting. And that would be the Pentagon's budget, of course. This passed only by 13 votes in the House, and it set up the Republican tax plan. Basically, a massive tax cut for the wealthy, which I think it's finally time to get into on the show. So when we were finally able to have Fazo on the show back in September and ask him some questions, we only got to the issue of the estate tax repeal portion of the tax plan, which Fazo supported, even though the elimination of this tax leads to less government money and affects virtually no one in this district. But what does affect this district is the fact that middle class and low income families won't gain anything through this tax plan long term. 
And 30% of filers here will actually likely end up paying more in taxes because it eliminates a deduction you can take here in New York for state and local taxes known as the SALT deduction. John Fazzo still hasn't stated how he'll be voting on the final version tax plan, although he's expressed concern and he says he remains committed against elimination of the SALT deduction. He and a few other New York Republican representatives wrote to Steve Mnuchin back in June asking him to reconsider eliminating this deduction. He was one of the few to vote against the bill two weeks ago, but it managed to pass anyway. But we've seen this behavior before where Faso will express concern, but then go ahead and vote for something even though he said he wouldn't, like he did with Obamacare repeal. So I won't be surprised when it comes to vote casting time. Sure. And it's especially interesting because it's possible that John Faso himself, who paid over $12,000 in property taxes back in 2015, uses the SALT deduction himself. The newest version of the tax plan allows a $10,000 property tax deduction from your tax bill, but even Faso would be losing out on the ability to deduct about $2,000. Other than the SALT deduction, the GOP tax plan will result in a huge cut for the wealthy, and more than half of the cost of the tax plan actually flows to the top 1% of the population, the highest earners. It's crazy. The Republicans are allowing and voting in favor of policies that increase the deficit. And this week, we're seeing analysis of the plan showing the middle class might get a cut initially with this tax plan, but eventually will end up paying more, much more, starting in 2019. This eliminates a benefit for adoptive parents, which this tax bill is literally taxing orphans. But the world has gone crazy, and the only thing the GOP's mind seems to be on is repaying their wealthy donors. Moving along to some of the other bills from October, Faso and every member of Congress in both the Senate and the House voted in favor of a bill that increases protections for whistleblowers in a government agency. Amazing to have a unanimous vote in favor of something good like this. I'm pretty certain whistleblowers will be very important in this administration with respect to reporting waste, fraud and abuse in the government. So they shouldn't have to fear losing their jobs. That's a good note before I get to one that's somewhat disheartening. Faso also voted in favor of a measure that prohibits the federal government from entering into a settlement in a lawsuit where the corporation has to pay a portion of the settlement to a nonprofit. Let me explain this with an example. Back in 2014, Bank of America was required to pay $16.65 billion in settlement money after it engaged in predatory loans. Of that, the government required Bank of America to pay $100 million of the settlement to community and legal groups that actually helped the populations that were affected by predatory practices. For example, groups that were actually representing those that had been foreclosed on because of these subprime loans. So basically, in that case, Bank of America was making up for a small amount of the enormous harm it caused 
to the public through the donation. So why were Republicans so eager to get rid of it? Well, they felt that some of these organizations, which ranged from Habitat for Humanity to Council for La Raza, an organization that helps low-income Hispanics, were these organizations that were receiving the money were too left-leaning. But all of the organizations that could receive this type of money had to be approved by the government anyway, so this bill just seemed like a way for the GOP to be vindictive to the left. Yeah, there weren't too many votes we've missed since there was also a recess during the time since our last show. Fazzo, as usual, did not announce his public schedule. He failed to speak out against the rollback of the EPA's clean power plan. Instead, said that it won't affect New York, as though he's never heard of wind, even if New York is ahead of the game and it's turned to renewable energy and uh, air quality regulations, it doesn't mean that the air pollution from states like Pennsylvania and West Virginia won't affect us here. His statement revealed such a high level of ignorance. It'll never fail to stun me how silent John Faso will remain on these issues. And we'll see if now that Senators Bob Corker and Senator Flake are speaking out so strongly against Trump and the administration, if anything changes, but I'm pretty doubtful. A lot of Fazzo's visits during his recess were with veterans, and none of his stops were to work with any of the minority or underprivileged communities here in New York 19. He did get two visits from groups and DACA recipients urging him to support a Clean Dream Act that would allow the Dreamers to remain here in the United States, but he still refuses to commit, and instead he repeats his support for two bills that fall short of the path to citizenship that the Clean Dream Act provides. And while it's fine that he focuses on veterans... They only comprise 8% of households here in New York 19, while minorities comprise 15%. This lack of leadership on these types of issues from him is, in my opinion, having repercussions for the rest of the local GOP here in the district. Actually, this is the perfect opportunity to set up Matre's interview. So Fazzo actually had a statement in his weekly email celebrating Columbus Day and suggesting that because of his discoveries, immigration to the States was possible. And he was proud of Columbus, since he, Fazzo, is only one of two Italian-Americans in Congress. And unsurprisingly, Fazzo failed to mention Indigenous Peoples Day or that Columbus tortured and mutilated natives after arriving in the Caribbean. And I don't expect him to do that. But his routine omission of acknowledging minorities in these incredibly troubling times is a problem. And although we might like to think that New York 19 is a place that's a little bit more racially harmonious than somewhere like Charlottesville, we discovered that there is a racist underbelly at the local level right here in Kingston recently with respect to the local elections. Right. So a few weeks ago, following the O Positive Festival, Republican candidate for Kingston Common Council, Gene Jacobs, called a mural of a Native American chief on the Kingston YMCA divisive and suggested it was erasing Kingston's heritage 
by promoting an ethnic message and also called the Native Americans too dark and said maybe they are black Indians. Now, this sparked enough outrage to actually lead the Kingston GOP to unendorsing her, which made me feel a little bit better. Sure, and there was a huge outcry on social media, but it really shows the degradation of norms that's happening across the country because the leadership at the top of the GOP is either more actively or passively condoning racism all of a sudden. But one good thing that came out of all of this was that I came across our guest, Matreya Motel. She is an 11-year-old activist from Rosendale who started a video blog after the election, letting us know her take on politics. And she actually shot one of her most recent videos, which addresses Columbus Day in front of the very mural that ignited the Jean Jacobs controversy. And her videos really provide us some hope for the future. And we especially welcomed her here since sometimes our show gets pretty bleak. Yeah, it's amazing. Since after we interviewed Matreya, uh, Senator Bob Corker was asked if he felt the president was a good role model for children. And he responded, absolutely not. (laughs) And you'll hear Matreya doesn't think so either. On that note, we will move to our interview section with Matreya Motel here on Spotlight 19. Today we have Matreya Motel, who is the host and creator of a video blog called Eye on Politics. And she is the youngest guest to appear on Spotlight 19 and probably the youngest activist here in Congressional District 19. So thank you so much for being here and welcome, Matreya. Thank you for inviting me. So Matreya, tell us a little bit about you. How old are you? I'm 11 years old. And where are you living right now? I'm living in Rosendale, which is between Kingston and New Paltz. Very cool. And are you, where are you going to school right now? I'm going to High Meadow, which is in a private school. It's in Stone Ridge. So tell us a little bit more about Ion Politics. Ion Politics is a video blog in which I offer some of my opinions on different political things. So what gave you the idea for having this show? Well, we'd already had the idea sort of before the election, but we were so devastated after Trump became president that we decided that we needed some good video blogs. Sure, and it is really exciting to see all of the videos that you have. Justin and I actually watched all of them this week, and we're really impressed by what you're doing. Thank you. So, uh, since... How many episodes have you had since the since you started? Um, I've had eight episodes. And do you put them together by yourself or with help of other people? My dad usually edits the episodes. And how long does it take you each week to put it together? Around three days. And have you do you do one every week or something else? 
Well, I used to do one every week, but now I'm not homeschooled anymore.、Mm-hmm. So it may just become a monthly thing. And what do some of your friends think about the, the video blog? Um, not many of my friends know about it, but the ones that do like it. Have you noticed a change at, at school since the election? Does, do your teachers talk about President Trump or not so much? Well, they don't usually talk about President Trump, but all of my friends agree that he's a moron. <laughs> And that's something that our Secretary of State supposedly shares that same sentiment, which is. Pretty amazing that our politics、yeah. are in, at this point.、Um, do you want to run for office or work on a campaign one day? I definitely want to run for Congress and possibly president. Well, I think you're off to a great start. And have you been working on any of the local elections that are coming up this year or next year? Well, I haven't worked on any local elections that are coming up. But I did a bit of campaigning for Zephyr Teach Out last year. Oh, very cool. And what was that experience like for you? Well, most of the people we talked to said that they were voting for, for Zephyr Teach Out. But one guy actually, when he heard we were from the I'm a Democratic organization, was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> we possibly may have convinced one person. Was that really exciting to know that maybe something you conveyed to someone may have changed someone's mind? Yes. Did you have any bad experiences while you were canvassing for Zephyr Teach Out? Well, one man, when we came onto his lawn and told him that we were f- campaigning for Zephyr Teach Out, had to restrain himself from chasing us off of his lawn. Oh no, that's not, that's not a good feeling. And I think if I hadn't been there, he might have chased my parents off. <laughs> and did you ever get to meet Zephyr Teach Out? Once. I went to one of her rallies and got to shake her hand. How was that like? It was pretty exciting. So, what were you doing on election night in 2016? We were at a friend's house watching the election coverage. S- some of their other friends were there and they brought their kids, and the kids, including me, were pretty much running around watching the election. <sighs> and we were sure Hillary was going to win at first, but when it got really late, we went home and kept watching, and things turned bad quickly. Did you stay up very late that night, or what was that、yes. like? I fell asleep before the entire election coverage was over, and I woke up to the worst possible news. <laughs> we fell asleep too, I think, and, but we kind of fell asleep knowing that maybe the results weren't what we had expected.、Mm-hmm. When did you find out that Zephyr Teachout hadn't won、uh, the election for Congress here in our congressional district? The same day, I, after I was done being upset over the fact that Donald Trump had won, I asked about the Zephyr Teachout election and learned that FASO had won that too. And how did you feel about that, having campaigned for Zephyr Teachout specifically? Disappointed, though not as disappointed about, as I was about the presidential election. 
So going forward, what do you think is important for our next congressional candidate that will run against John Faso in 2018? They need to respect that Kingston is a sanctuary city and they need to not be afraid of letting the people talk to them. How do you feel about the fact that John Faso's really not in the district very much? He doesn't, you know, hold open meetings for his constituents, and it's kind of hard to get a hold of him if you live in his congressional district. It's super annoying. He's not having as many town halls as are necessary, and I think he's being a bit of a coward, honestly. If you could say something to John Faso, what would you t- tell him? He has about one year left of his term. Do you think he could turn things around? He needs to listen to the people and campaign for them, not for the advancement of the Republican Party. So you just mentioned sanctuary cities, and I watched one of your Eye on Politics episodes that was about that same issue, about the travel ban that President Trump issued and that John Faso didn't really speak out against. Why, are sanctu- why is the sanctuary city movement so important to you? Wait, no. Come here. <laughs> Lie down. Uh, dog breath aside. <laughs> <laughs> and just for our listeners out there who can't see, Widnall just uh, kind of huffed in Matreya's face <laughs> right now. <laughs> Uh, Going back to the question, so sanctuary cities, I noticed that's something that's really important to you. Why is that so important and close, close to you? I think that it's wrong to ban people just because they belong to a country and that we need to respect all people. And if sanctuary cities are doing that, they're doing something right. Sure, I totally agree with you. And it's great that we have, you know, Kingston is a sanctuary city and it's nearby. And hopefully after these local elections, the Ulster County legislature will vote to make it a sanctuary county, which would mean all of the towns and cities within Ulster County uh, will be sanctuary areas for uh, people who might be here illegally and they won't have to live in fear. So it's, it's great that that's something that's so important to you, you know, this early on. I would uh, love that. I where, would love where for are my you town from? to be a sanctuary city, Rosendale. Do you, are you inspired by the fact that it's more important than ever right now for girls and women to get into politics? I think so. I'm still shocked that women have had the vote for 100 years and we still haven't had a woman president. I'm shocked, too, and maybe you can change that one day. I hope I'm not going to be the first woman president. (laughs) Well, I think you have a great head on your shoulders, so it would be really exciting if you were, but hopefully you will get to that point before then. 24 years. 24 years. Um, And do you think that you'll be campaigning for any of the candidates who will run against John Faso in 2018? I'll have to see more about who they are before I decide to campaign for them. But overall, I'm, I think there's a pretty good chance that I will. Did you know that there are actually no women running against John Faso at this point? <laughs> there was one who actually ended up dropping out, but there right now there are six men who are running against John Faso. What do you think about that? 
<laughs> he doesn't like it. <laughs> well, with clearly, no, Whiffle doesn't like yeah, it. Yeah, Whiffle just grunted. Um, I think that it is also disappointing that no women are going to have a chance to beat John Faso in this race. Therefore, these men who are running need to be better than ever. <laughs> I agree with that for sure. Um, is there any political issue you think is most important to people who live here in our congressional district up here in the in kind of the Catskills? Well, most political issues I focus on are pretty national. Mm-hmm. But I'm still reeling a bit from the comments that Jean Jacob that Miss Jacobs made. Oh, okay. So let me explain that a little bit to our listeners. So Jean Jacobs is a candidate for. I think it's Kingston Common Council, right? Mm -hmm. And she made a comment about one of the murals from the O Positive Festival that it was uh, an insult to Kingston's history, right? And this mural depicts a beautiful, you know, Native American uh, leader. And it's actually the mural that you did your last episode in front of, right? Uh, where did you hear about uh, these comments by Miss Jacobs? Well, actually, my parents found them slightly by accident, mm-hmm. I think. They were on Facebook, and they saw this long sort of a rant about how we needed to celebrate Kingston's heritage and that this mural could potentially divide us. And what did you think about that when you heard these comments, which were really, I think right now people, when they write about her comments, they say they could be perceived as racist, but if you really read what they are, they're kind of outwardly racist. What did you think about those comments? I was furious. I mean, first of all, Native Americans were here first, so they were the first part of Kingston's heritage. And if she only wants to see Dutch settlers, she's in the wrong century. (laughs) Right. And since she made those comments, actually, the Kingston GOP uh, withdrew their endorsement of her. So at least that was one kind of good thing that came out of it. But she still is and is going to be on the ballot. So hopefully people will look into some of the things she said and where her positions are. And if you look at the Kingston GOP's platform, it's very close to the Make America Great Again kind of sentiment that it's, I can't even remember what it's called. I think it's called um, kind of bringing Kingston back to its roots, which, you know, as you pointed out, is really flawed because the Native Americans were here first. Mm-hmm. And is that what gave you the idea to do your last show in front of that mural? Actually, I just thought that the mural was beautiful and said a beautiful thing about our diverse community. And then I found out those awful things Jacobs had said about it later. You've been listening to Matreya Motel here on Spotlight 19. We're looking forward to your next show and all of your shows. And tell us how people can find you online. Um, go to I on Politics, I like your I, <laughs> on politics.net. And is there a way for people to subscribe to the video blog as well? 
Yes. Also, my YouTube channel is Matreya Motel, and a lot of my Ion Politics videos are there as well. Great. So thank you so much for being here, and we hope to see you again soon. Thanks. Next week, we will have Chris Gibson on the show. And it's Wednesday as I'm finishing up this podcast, so election results are coming in. Congratulations to all the Democrats. It's such a good win uh, across the United States. It's a sign of all the hard work we're all putting in to reach out, speak out, stand up, and put government back in the hands of people who care about their constituents. There's a, there's a ray of sunlight in, in my heart today. Let go. Oh.